Good afternoon. My name is Donovan Menard. You're listening to Sincerely Z V Podcast, brought to you by Gen Rise Media. It's actually my first podcast for this uh, little uh, publication. So I am very happy to be here uh, on this beautiful Tuesday which also happens to be election day, uh, you know, I'm very stressed, I'm sure you are too, you know, but hey, it's a historic moment, it's very exciting. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about neoliberalism. You probably heard this word being thrown around a lot, it is used very heavily uh, in a lot of leftist dialogue these days, and it does have a pretty wide meaning. So it can be confusing to people who are, you know, maybe moving from being a liberal to being more far left, as it certainly was for me. I moved to the left only a few months ago after just being a run-of-the-mill liberal, and I would be lying to you if I said that I wasn't confused by all these political buzzwords being tossed back and forth, um, and neoliberalism is definitely one of them. People like to say it, and it makes sense because you sound smart if you say it, and maybe you are smart if you say it. Um, so what I want to do is I want to help you understand just what neoliberalism is. It, it is difficult to define, um, you know, because it has a a specific attachment to certain politicians and policies and is used more widely today um, to refer to, I mean, mainly to refer to politicians that are very supportive of the capitalist status quo. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we're going to talk about its origin and how it manifests in the current American political system, and also how it's often obscured from the public's perception. Now, first and foremost, it is important to understand that neoliberalism is both poopy and stinky. These days, neoliberalism generally has a very negative connotation, uh, so you're not going to hear a politician you know, promoting themselves by saying, vote for me if you want neoliberalism. You would rather hear the term neoliberalism from a critic of that politician. To give you a fairly simple definition, neoliberalism is a resurgence of the philosophy of economic liberalism and a promotion of free market capitalism. So this involves deregulation, of course, private ownership of the means of production, reducing the national debt, and increasing the role of the private sector in the economy. It's been heavily associated with economist Milton Friedman, as well as Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. Ugh, makes me sick just to say their names. Anyway, what do you say we dive into a little uh, history? of how neoliberalism came to be the status quo. So to understand neoliberalism, we have to contrast it with the economic policies that followed the Great Depression. So uh, Herbert Hoover, who was president at the time of the stock market crash 
believed in laissez-faire capitalism, meaning a very hands-off approach. He did not like the idea of government intervention in the economy uh, in response to a crisis. Um, he believed that the economy would recover on its own. It would fix itself, you know, like it has in history, because uh, people who supported that argument would point to a historical series of uh, recessions and I am blanking on the word for the opposite of recession for some reason, but you know, hills and valleys, ups and downs, uh, but you know, as time went on by, Herbert was proven wrong. Uh, he was not effectively combating the, uh, the depression. So then, a fellow named Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected, and he enacted the New Deal, which was a set of government policies, public work projects, financial reforms, and regulations in the 1930s. And it was, it was pretty darn effective in alleviating poverty. And it's, you know, up for debate whether the, the New Deal ended the Great Depression. Uh, the economy certainly didn't just return right back to normal. But it was certainly more effective than the hands-off approach of Hoover. Now, let's jump ahead a few decades into the 1970s. All right, people are wearing big collars, okay? They're wearing high-waisted pants and bell-bottom jeans, folks. It's the 70s. Jimmy Carter is president. That sweet, kind man from Georgia with the award-winning smile. Uh, there, was, there was a problem in the 70s. There was an energy crisis that America was facing. And people were not believing that policies similar to those of the New Deal would solve the energy crisis. And conservative and libertarian think tanks started advocating for neoliberal policies. And Jimmy Carter actually sort of was the first president to enact a neoliberal policy by deregulating several industries. Uh, and Reagan played a big role in cementing the neoliberal era. Uh, we all know Ronald Reagan loved to uh, cut aid programs, because, you know, he doesn't care about poor people. And, uh, you know, lowering taxes. Um, you know, then we had H.W. Uh, Bush, right? And then, I mean, he's, he's kind of just a uh, continuation of Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan third term. But after that, Bill Clinton, we got us, we got us a Democrat, and he's charismatic. And he plays the saxophone. He'll probably do something new and fun. Wrong. You see, Bill Clinton embraced neoliberalism, uh, cutting welfare programs and deregulating the financial sector. Um, so what's important here is that we've seen that Democratic and Republican presidents uh, have neoliberal policies enacted by their administrations. It's very significant because it shows that since the 1970s, the two major parties 
barely differ at the core of their economic uh, philosophies. Of course, they do differ pretty significantly in terms of their rhetoric and values, which helps create the illusion of a binary choice for voters. The Democratic Party has been able to mask its neoliberal motives using symbolic progressivism to create the message that it is the party for the liberation of marginalized groups. But the truth is, it supports an economic system that exploits poor people and only gives agency to the rich. That being capitalism, of course. Um, now, obviously, Republicans aren't any better, you know? The idea here is that they both support capitalism. And when one focuses on the culture war between the values of liberals and conservatives, the problems posed by neoliberalism and capitalism become pretty much invisible. So uh, this clash of values between two parties with very similar economic philosophies keeps the working class divided and prevents us from all achieving class consciousness. So, uh, you know, the ruling classes and the, the corporate interests, they all benefit from poor people, you know, different uh, groups of poor people being divided against each other, not on the basis of class, but on cultural values associated with the Democratic and Republican platforms. So neoliberalism reduces the influence of the public on government policy and that benefits the corporate interests that, in contrast, have quite a considerable influence on policy. I'm going to read a little quote from Noam Chomsky, the intellectual. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, this is from an interview with him a couple years ago. He said, and I quote, The one barrier to the threat of destruction is an engaged public. An informed, engaged public acting together to develop means to confront the threat and respond to it. That's been systematically weakened, consciously. Back to the 70s, we probably talked about this. There was a lot of elite discussion across the spectrum about the danger of too much democracy and the need to have what was called more moderation in democracy, for people to become more passive and apathetic and not to disturb things too much. And that's what the neoliberal programs do. So put it all together, and what do you have? A perfect storm. So yeah, that's that's Gnome, and uh, he makes a very good point there about how, you know, the, the ruling class really benefits from us being passive and n not paying too much attention to what's going on in the government. And obviously the main motive for this is that they don't want, you know, the people of America to desire a completely different economic system, right? Because the people who benefit most from capitalism are the ones who have the most influence. That's why we are given this, you know, this binary choice, which has the appearance of us, you know, ha having a say in the direction our country goes. Um, but that appearance is maintained 
by sort of the cultural and social aspect of, uh, you know, liberal versus conservative values, despite the fact that both of these parties want to uphold capitalism. So we really don't get much of a say in the economic system of our country. So that brings us to where we are today on election day. Today we have an election between two candidates who will both support capitalism. However, that does not mean that they're equivalent in any way. I have heard from several leftists that, you know, voting is pointless because it's always going to be a, some neoliberal corporatist. And I strongly disagree with that. I mean, Joe Biden certainly isn't everything that we need right now. And he is very far from perfect. Uh, and yes, he will likely enact neoliberal policies and uphold the status quo. However, on the other hand, you know, Donald is a fascist. And that's not me being dramatic or exaggerating. I mean, he is quite literally a fascist. He uh, has repeatedly endorsed and praised violence against people who oppose him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the choice is pretty clear, all right? Uh, and, you know, if, 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 if it makes it feel better, it's much easier to influence a neoliberal democratic administration from the left than a fascist administration. So, uh, I mean, if anyone is listening to this on election day and the polls are still open, I suggest you get out there and uh, cast your vote. And we can all hope that Joe gets the W this election. And if he does, then uh, after taking a few days to celebrate voting Donald out of office, of course, I think we should get right down to business and just start straight up bullying Democratic politicians into prioritizing the needs of the poor. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for listening. Keep it spicy out there.